and we're live hello purgers welcome back wow you have made it to episode seven one of our one of our favorite episode titles lovely dark and deep i feel like that's my description on tinder if i had a tinder it's definitely a vagina monologue (laughs) right it's perfect I love it. Well, welcome back, everyone. You have made it this far. I can't believe we're only three episodes away until the finale, which is on election night. Shut the fuck up. Yes, the last episode airs on November 6th. Oh, my gosh. My job just gave us election day off. Good. Every job should give you off to go vote. Right? I think it's indicative of, like, people being like, seriously, guys, don't fuck this up. Don't fuck this up, Florida. Hey, it's not like the history of fucking this up. (laughs) Not like you do. Um, Well, welcome, Purgers, uh, to the Pop Culture Theologians podcast. We are so excited you're here. Um, Marcy and I are avidly worshiping on the altar of pop culture. We have so much um, that we cannot wait to announce to you, but we just want to give a shout out to our hosting site the engaged gaze we just had an amazing article about toxic masculinity not that we've ever talked about that here um (laughs) up on the website go check it out from professor labeouf dr labeouf actually Um, she's rubbing it in our face john (laughs) i know we'll be there in june or whenever it is next year (laughs) we are marcy like that's it like done Yes. Yes, we are. Um, You can find us on Twitter and Facebook at Pop Theologians. Um, Marcy, what's your Twitter handle? So my Twitter handle is I am the men who can. And can I tell you, John, that I switched. So I am the men who can is the handle of it. When you see my name, I switched it from Martha Cecilia to off Brent in honor of my sadness. (laughs) Yeah, um, definitely have been seeing that. And I sometimes I'm just tired of making it like off brand uh, when I'm trying to tweet at you. <laughs> um, you can follow me at jerickson85 on Twitter. We have been having a lot of fun lately. Last night, Marcy spoiled the whole episode for me. So she's gotten her revenge. Um, so, um, but I just have to say that Thanks to all the actors and actresses. Um, I'm sorry, I'm not going to gender it. I'm going to say thanks to all the actors on the show that have been interacting with us on Twitter, from Hannah to Colin to Paulina to, of course, my favorite, Jessica. Yeah, I know. So the entire cast is, like, really active on Twitter, and they're very responsive to our live tweeting, which is always, like, really great. Um, I think because it's always interesting to see what piques their interest, right? Because then I'm like, wait. Is that because we're right? Is, is that because we're wrong? Um, so it's it's just a fun thing to do uh, when we watch the show. So Marcy, what happened this week? Well, a lot has happened this week. Uh, it was difficult kind of to choose what to focus on. Um, let's start with the rage-inducing. Um, wait, that's like all we have. So uh, did you see- uh, Purge-inducing. Purge-inducing. Did you see that Trump called um, Stormy Daniels horse face? Yeah, but then did you also see because of his poor grammar skills, he called himself basically a con job? Oh, I saw that. He he sucks with um, commas, right? Yes, he's horrible with commas. And basically he admitted within this like 
backhanded like insult calling a woman a horse face that he basically admitted that he's a con job which by the way I'm glad he finally admitted it right it's nice to see him have that moment of clarity on the world stage um it's weird too because today some republican I think it was a congressman said when they asked him about this horse face comment he was like well who hasn't done that me motherfucker I have never tweeted out like I'm going to get back at this horse face. Like, what the, what are you talking about? Like, what? <laughs> like, of all the things to defend him on, this one seems super stupid. Like, you don't have to do it. Like, honestly, aside from maybe the Proud Boys, like, who's going to be pissed that you aren't shitting on, like, a woman's look? Like, just get your shit together. Stop being... I mean, he is trying to cover up the murder of a Washington Post journalist, though. Right. So, um, moving on from Horseface, because, like, honestly, like, Stormy Daniels deserves better. Um, I heard this, like, really funny, like, joke this week that I'm going to, like, screw up right now, but, like, she's the first... um, escort porn star who's ever asked for a refund right like it's just she deserves better than this like enough like hand that woman her life back so um yeah so the murder of jamal kashagi is that how you say it uh yeah kashagi i think right um look i'm gonna be really honest this is one of the most disturbing things i've seen in like recent history um yeah so It's really messed up. I've been following it. I have to say that it happened during a time when we are just, well, first of all, we're always inundated with horrible news because that's how this alt-right like type of media machine like works. Yeah, it's chaos theory because they figure if they put enough chaos into there, like no one's ever going to know. And so there you go. And so what's going on is, you know, they try to cover it up, but what they're not saying in the news reporting is... Um, we are um, really indicating like the fact that we have a president who is deeply embedded to like Saudi or money, oil, all these white rich Republicans are, and he doesn't want to lose his investment. And so clearly he is trying to cover this up because this is, this is kind of as bad to me as the Russia scandal and it's not being talked about. Yeah, I, I would agree. So I right, like it's like different levels of, of like awfulness, right? Um the Russian scandal is treason and it's also deconstructing democracy, right? If we can't trust voting, if we cannot trust our systems, uh what are we doing? But then this this is kind of at the heart of like of and again, like it's so weird, like yes and no, right? Like I was about to say at the heart of like decency. And then again, we have children in cages and um, you know, like it, it's very, very difficult to even process how much horror is happening right now. But this is the stuff of nightmares. Like we do not kill journalists, right? Particularly heads of state cannot order the brutal, brutal murder of a journalist because you've got thin skin. Um, Kashagi, it is now pretty much confirmed reports, uh, was tortured for seven minutes with a bone saw cut into pieces. So um, cut off his fingers. It was it's, right. it's the New York Times or the Washington Post broke a story today. It is we don't I don't want to trigger people, but please go read it and understand that your president is is covering up one of the worst human rights violations I think happening to an American citizen right he was a citizen an American citizen right or was he yeah, claiming yeah. Yeah, a, an American citizen an American on, resident. so that an American that's resident what it was but I think the most important thing to remember here is that 
there was a time and and this is not to say like I, the people who chime in stuff's always bad yeah no shit stuff's always bad this is next level like democracy and and diplomacy gone wrong um it, to the point where our very divided um branches of of government are kind of coalescing around like yeah no we're gonna draw a line like this is not okay and so from what i understand the white house and um the saudis are trying to come up with a timeline and storyline that does not implicate the saudi prince that um apparently ordered this murder um and it's weird because it triggers back to memories of 9-11 and the discussions that the folks who flew the planes into the towers were from Saudi Arabia. They were not from Afghanistan, but that the Bush family had deep ties to the Saudis. And so this is just kind of a perpetuation of this, like the lawlessness of money. Right. Um, And then we keep saying like, well, we're not going to mess with the Saudis because there's an a hundred billion dollar arms race. Why the fuck are you giving a hundred billion dollars worth of arms to Saudi Arabia? That's bananas. That is like purge level, like mistakes, right? Like we're looking at like just unconscionable violence and yeah, it's just really disturbing. Well, you want to know what else is disturbing? Yeah. The, The fact that we have a sitting Senator then that took a DNA test to prove that she was like one fifty hundred thousandth million Native American. I don't know if you and I are going to g- agree on this, what happened this week point. It's okay. I have, I see it very 50, 50. I'm like, I'm upset. She kind of like took the bait, but I'm also really proud of her for being like, you know, here's a big old middle finger. I think a lot of the reactions have been super, super overhyped. I mean, I just don't, I think I, if I were given that like kind of like trigger decision, I wouldn't have done it because that's exactly what he wanted. But cause I wouldn't want to anger the communities that already aren't represented in that way. But at the end of the day, like if I'm really angry on the day I make the decision, I'm going to do it. So I don't know. I'm kind of like 50, 50 here. Okay. So I work with indigenous folks all over the country and in Canada. Um, Elizabeth Warren actually proved Donald Trump's point. Like Elizabeth Warren, one 150th something of indigenous blood is nothing. And this is a white woman who like very many people in um, some of like the flyover states, like I'm thinking of like my best friend lives in Oklahoma and she, um, she's always telling me like, literally there isn't a single white person who doesn't claim that some like Osage princess is part of their lineage and it's just bullshit. Um, I think, here's what I'm going to say. I think Elizabeth Warren should just have said, this is a part of my family's oral history. I've come to recognize as an adult that it is probably, like, that it is probably inaccurate from this, like, DNA ancestry report, but it is 100% inaccurate from an identity perspective. You know, I value my family and their oral storytelling, but I also want to honor the Indigenous folks who have, like, bled and, and lost so much that this identity is not mine to claim. And then you shut the fuck up. Like, that is it. Like, it has been a very bad week for white women Democrats. And like, this is where I'm like, I, like I'm ragey about it. Like, your point is exactly it. She gave Trump ammunition right before midterms. And like, I was talking to my brother about this. Shout out to my brother, who is like the smartest person I know. He was like, I understand why she did and it. And he's good looking. <laughs> so, sorry. <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> 
I think Elizabeth Warren sees this as a liability for running. And so she wanted to get ahead of it. I get it, but just wait. And also like, there are other ways to do it. Like taunting Trump, like is never going to be a winning, like, it's just, it's not going to work. So you don't do it. Like don't feed trolls. Like don't feed trolls and, and white women in power right now, get your shit together. Uh, Cause you know, it, it has not been a good week for like Elizabeth Warren or Hillary Clinton. Like, I just, I need y'all to, to take a minute, pass the mic to other people just because laser focus on the midterms, like laser focus. Yeah. And also she made a big guffaw because like, clearly you're running for president. Right. Right. This was like, this is confirmation. 100% Elizabeth Warren is running for president. Um, how I feel about that. We can go into maybe like in a different episode. Um, I right now, again, laser focus. I don't give a shit about who's running for 2020. I am focused on tumbling this new founding fathers that has taken root in our political system right now. Marcy, why don't we take all that anger and let's purge. Let's purge. broadcast system announcing the commencement of the annual purge sanctioned by the u.s government weapons of class four and lower have been authorized for use during the purge all other weapons are restricted government officials of ranking 10 have been granted immunity from the purge and shall not be harmed commencing at the siren any and all crime including murder will be legal for 12 continuous hours police fire and emergency medical services will be unavailable until tomorrow morning at 7 a.m when the purge concludes Blessed be our new founding fathers and America, a nation reborn. May God be Okay, so I really appreciated this episode so much. It's a great episode. I want to say I think the writing is really good um, going into this latter half. We were at this big canvas, like in the first like five episodes, and we're really getting down to the core storylines that I really want to see. That's kind of Penelope Miguel, like we'll get there, like peace out, like, but like Jane and like Jalila and then her occasional like side piece Rick like we're really at a really cool level and so we get a lot of flashback into Jane's life growing up stuff that we see and why she's triggered by um, David why she ultimately says no to him um, you know and she has like so many of us mommy issues she does um so this episode almost felt like a this is us like in the purge setting because the flashbacks for the first time I think are not focused on plot but they're focused on character so um yeah so (laughs) Jane has mom issues and they're mom issues that tie back to a patriarchal system and how women participate in them right um so Jane obviously is extremely talented she's beautiful um and her mom has kind of taught her to trade on those qualities versus like her integrity or her like brain, anything like that. Right. Yeah. I, um, like with Jane, like her mom, I, I see it as twofold. Like her mom clearly wants to support, I think Jane's like, rise but she also is like how am I going to pay for this and you know I'm not trying to dig on all the Miss America pageants or like kind of like what the world that you know her mom really forced her into but there is like almost an implied like she's gonna have to face an uphill battle so why doesn't she use these assets that her mother sees and that's really the exterior where Jane's really an interior character 
Right. And I think this is where we talk a lot about, um, so when you do like racial equity work and stuff like that, we talk a lot about code switching, right? Um, for, for women, um, and obviously with, with an intersectional lens, it's gets much more complicated. Um, but for women, there is this unfortunate need to simultaneously retain your agency and, and, and also have to navigate a world that is for men, by men, and with rules that are catering to the male gaze, right? So I think um, we get in this flashback, Jane apparently like loses a spot to like this robotics lab to some other student and the teacher's like, well, you know, if it was me, I would have chosen her, but kind of implies that the reason she didn't get it is because um, of the color of her skin, right? And so when her mom's like, yo, we have to play by their game, there's a part of you that's like, no, but then it's like, well, of course, like this is how you survive in a world like the one we have built. Um, and so the pageant circuit, like the like revealing clothing for interviews, like that is, that is honestly something that most women are gonna be able to relate to in regards to, we don't really have a choice but to participate. Right. And then it's very easy to judge the mother. Um, but the mother is also teaching her daughter how to survive. And, and this reminds me of like, you know, you always hear people of color talk about the conversations that they need to have with their, their sons in particular, right? Like how to survive as a, a young black man on the street. Right. So, um, again, like it's, it's extremely good storytelling. It's also, um, devastating when you look at the implications for someone like Jane, who we keep seeing, like, she keeps promoting legalism, like things will be fair. Things have a way of, of shaking out. And it's like her mom had taught her since she was little, like, no, they don't. Right. Yeah. Her mom's really taught her that like, you know, I mean, you see like an old world versus a new really within Jane's character and her relationship with her mom. It makes sense why in episode one, there's kind of a distance between them. We really didn't know what was going on and why her mom kind of threw a little shade at her about her moving up in the world. I think there's a definite resonance there that we're finally able to get that backstory for. And I really appreciate it because Jane clearly is extremely intelligent, which is why I think a lot of these decisions that she's making go against really her grain, why she purges. She doesn't seem like a person that's going to purge, why she even goes out into the street. Like she, she's not that person that's out in the streets on purge night killing people. Well, and I think like, so when we meet Anya in this He-Man Women Haters Club, right? Like we- The original. The original. Um, you kind of get this idea that like, again, Anya is both a victim and complicit in ways that as a woman I identify with. There's times where I'm a victim of this like um, patriarchal structure that oppresses. There's times where I promote it in ways that sometimes I don't even realize, right? So- um, it's easy to be like, I can't believe Anya went along with it, but you know, for all we know, she has like a sick kid at home and she needs to pay the bills or her student loan debt is about to crush her. Like, it's just, it's difficult to judge. And I think that they're doing a really good job of kind of getting those, those nuances. So like, I'm not particularly sure Jane or her mom like are right. I think that what they're showing is it's, it's complicated. It's really complicated. And I definitely think in regards to Anya and how like, is she complicit, a victim or both? Like Jane does say like, there's a card in my pocket. It's for the matron saints, like call them. Well, and Anya jumps at that, right? She does. And that's the thing where we don't know, like 
what happened. Ideally, like at the end, the last scene of the episode is clearly the matron saints uh, RV, one that Marcy and I are currently getting quotes for, for our road show for this. Yeah. We're going to get an RV. Um, is they show up so she she clearly saw the errors in her way and maybe it's because she Anya I think was always alongside with these men that is the reason that once she sees what's happening to her fellow sisters or something I don't know maybe and she sees Jane's please and she's like you know what okay like I've got to fix this and she calls I don't know we don't see it but right that's what, that's what I like to call um the, what is it Lisa Murkowski versus a Senator Collins, right? Like, get your, like, wake up, get your shit together and and rally versus, like, officially going to the dark side. Um, So. Yeah. John, can we talk about David and his, like, toxic masculinity? David is just that character you love to hate. And we don't have to hate him for long because we'll get there. But, I mean, I gave a major shout out to Billy Baldwin and if you remember from last episode, Billy Baldwin was in Backdraft and that movie played a very special role in Marcy's life growing up. <laughs> um, and he also liked one of our tweets this past week. So I'm just saying. Um, but, you know, you really see this connection of how he's playing him. He's clearly playing him to be a certain person. I think my tweet was, is this what a Trump holiday party looks like? Yeah. Because that's totally what I imagine. But David's character is just that quintessential toxic white male that just uses and abuses feels it's his right to do these things and sells women off like they're commodities and as you can see with how he basically draws the straw you know i can't remember what it was but he 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 he, with how he's been treating jane throughout in the office and now in this purge world it's just so creepy because i want to say it is purge night so they can do whatever they want but he does whatever he wants whenever he wants so it doesn't even make a difference that's an important distinction right that like um the purge to a certain extent is the accessibility of toxic masculinity for the average joe but the other 300 and whatever days a year because clearly i don't know how to count the um for these men in power like so what like they can do the shit whenever they want, like honestly. So, and there's like this weird moment where David, as he's tying up Jane and she's like fighting back, he goes like, please, like you're making this weird, which is such an entitled statement of like, do not ruin my night, right? Um, which I was just like, that is every dude when you're like, back the fuck off or like, no, I don't want to drink. And they're like, you're acting like super annoying. It's like, I don't owe you acting like whatever you want me to act like. Like Jane is legit tied to like a torture box. And he's like, could you not make this weird for me? Um, and he's like, can you just let me like touch you? Remember they set up these really weird rules, like over the clothes, no one gets hurt. Like, is this something that we do? Like, you know, it's so twisted. And you see Jane really begging him almost to not do this. And that, you know, she thinks that, you know, they're all going to survive and that she can't look at him in the office again in the same way. Yeah. Like, yeah, no, like I, and, and this is something that like, when you look at rape culture and stuff like that, like so many women have to then encounter their abusers, like scot-free in the day-to-day world. So this isn't some type of dystopian, like bullshit. Like, no, like, I'll put it this way, right? Um, Dr. Ford is going to have to watch, have to watch Brett Kavanaugh legislate on her body from the highest 
position of a court, right? Like, yeah. And so this is like, it's super relevant. And it's, um, yeah, no, like, I'm not going to work the next day after you like, tried to like, and like, it's weird. It's not like, this like weird, like, molestation club like no just like no so, it's also really messed up because it's like the same look that jane gave to allison when allison killed mark it's the same look that she is giving to david like i cannot look at you in the office the next day right right and and you know like jane has a little bit of like i think schroedenfreud happening right now because like she had no right to judge Allison when she had sent her boss to be killed, right? Um, here, I think she's getting a small taste of her own medicine in the sense of like, when you dehumanize someone else, you're putting yourself at risk to be dehumanized, right? That is not victim blaming. That is me looking at the cycle of violence um, and why something like the purge would, would work in the sense of making everyone feel entitled to something without anyone ever thinking of the ramifications for themselves. Um, so, and then I, agree. I, was, I was hoping the matron saints were coming. I thought so too. I was like, Oh, here comes the Calvary. Right. And, but then Joe gets there. <laughs> Joe. Yeah. Or as Paulina called him Joey. So I don't know really how, what his name is, but so like, I'm, I mean, it's the same thing. I'm going to say the folks on Twitter are like the actors are big fans of this, uh, vigilante character, uh, we all know my feelings on it. Like, and he's in all it. 10 episodes, by the way. Right, right. But I was annoyed yesterday. I saw a tweet of someone who was like, he's the voice of reason that threads this all together. And I'm like, bullshit, bullshit. No, but no. <laughs> I guess we'll have to wait and see. Like, all I have to say is that we think the matron saints are going to arrive, but then it is, you know, creepy mask Joe, and he starts shooting people up. Right. But, but John, could you, could you remind me how I was right this week? <laughs> um, I don't think I recall that. Talk to me about how I was right. David, what happens to David? Oh, totally. You, oh yeah. I was thinking <laughs> you were right about, um, you know, the weird Harry Potter movies we're going to be discussing. No, I'm joking. I'm always right about that. You're, You're always right. right about that. No, you are totally right that Jane, David is Jane's kill. And I was so <laughs> glad to see that come to fruition today. And Marcy, because it was yours, I'm going to let you have it from here and just tell us what happens. So Jane Jane shoots him like point blank, right? And like um, after Joe the vigilante arrives. And I think this is important because would I have been okay with the matron saints shooting David? Sure. Like at this point, sisters rally, let's do it. Um, I was not okay with Joe the vigilante potentially taking that shot. Um, but David and his like patheticness right before getting shot is why that kill needed to be Jane's, right? And she actually like, she calls him, um, she calls him a pig, which super, super important um, because again, we hearken back to the matron saints branding people with the word pig. And so I view this as the moment where she like a phoenix, like Dumbledore's fox rises from the ashes of an old life where she thought she could be good and follow the rules and whatnot. And she rises up her own matron saint. Like that is how I feel about this moment. I think it's when Jane has a rebirth and I think we're about to watch like a motherfucking killer and like not the type that we want to get off the streets, but the type we want on the streets. 
So. Yeah, I definitely think, I mean, I really hope that we see whatever happens in those last three episodes, but like Jane, like leading a group meeting for like next year's matron saint planning committee. Right. Right. Like she goes, guys, I'll cook the brownies. You all bring like the words that you want to have, like our like person that builds or I don't know, however you make one of those branding things. Yeah, like you know, like oh yeah, welder, like whoever has these great welding ideas. Multiple times. (laughs) No, I have not. Although I did go to a medieval times once, and I remember. Um, I was the only person like swearing a lot because I really got into it. I was like, yeah, kill him, kill him. And people were like, oh my God. It's the Lannister in you. It is the Lannister in me. So moving on from Jane and the Matron Saints and Joe kind of taking this moment back. um, We're back with Miguel and Penelope. And I know, are you yawning now? (laughs) Yeah. So... Let's let's set the scene. Taylor Swift's Out of the Woods is playing. I thought that too. I literally was like, that song was in my head. Right. I want to do a remix video if I had those skills. So, okay, look. A lot of times when we have these characters running around, it's for visual effect, right? So we get the, and I'm going to use beautiful in quotations. We get this beautiful visual of like this burning carcass on a zip line and like, this is something that people who watch The Purge live for, which is like the chaos of this like world with no rules and how crazy can people get on Purge Night, right? Um, in regards to Miguel and Penelope, so Penelope is still defending her decision to join the Blue Colt. And like, all right, uh, enough, Penelope, enough. You were wrong. Like, I get why you joined. I get that you were hurting, but you look a tad bit ungrateful, girl. Like, your brother just saved your life. Uh, and what you're feeling is not anger, it's shame. Because, like, you need to get your shit together. Like, <sighs> Yeah, she needs to get her shit together. And she also needs to start realizing that they're out in the motherfucking purge, okay? Like, yeah. as we clearly see. Yeah, no, like, look, I get it. Like, she was super alone when her parents died. She felt betrayed by Miguel because he needed, to, he, he got shipped to war for defending her, which like, again, like get your shit together. Um, and like her trying to hurt Miguel with this like war judgment, like she's not the person to throw that at Miguel. And like- it Especially comes- because in the cult, she was seen as the most pious and she literally was leading people to their death as well. Right. Like you are culpable for deaths, even though she probably hasn't processed it, processed it yet. That's super important. Like you're going to have to grapple with like the folks you led to slaughter, dude. Like, so, um, yeah, like, I think like, I would rather they focus more on flashbacks or they focus more on like personal dialogue versus like this, um, running in the woods from the next bad guy. Right. Like enough, like enough i don't want to end up at another carnival at another zip line and another gauntlet at like stop it like it's it's a lot for a storyline where like mcgill promised her pancakes like maybe break into a place with a stanton like security system and let them work out their family shit i think the show can handle that so yeah <laughs> yeah i definitely think that this storyline has three episodes to pick up 
and like go from there um be, or two episodes right because we're on right. episode eight next week so you know we really need to see what what we are seeing is a lot of storylines converging they're really coming to a close you can see how the night is kind of coming to an end i'm really been watching the scenery like how dark is it is the sunlight coming up like right. what does it look like right because purge night is almost over it's only 12 hours so you know we i think in regards to this you know storyline Penelope and Miguel I don't know do you think one of them is going to die do you think Miguel is going to sacrifice himself for Penelope so yes uh let's let's give that one to you calling it um there's a part of me that thinks like the final scene of this is Miguel and Penelope walking off safely into some sunset um I don't know if that's going to happen I think like but the thing is, okay, so I think it makes sense that he would sacrifice himself for Penelope, but I do think that would break her. It would. Or do you think Henry's going to be resurrected as a zombie and then this becomes a zombie film? Get out of here. Get out of here. <laughs> I had to. We haven't talked about zombies for an episode. I, I know. I know. But honestly, I would rather be watching Rick from The Walking Dead in the forest at this point. And, and like, for people who don't know, I got real tired of Rick in the forest during Walking Dead. So And you and it only took an episode to get real sick and tired of Penelope and yeah. Miguel walking there. And again, like I really love the actors. Um they're doing really good work. It's just like I think part 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 of this is figuring out how you do spread an entire night across ten hours, right? So Yeah, definitely. Of, like the long eternal night. Um, can we talk about the devil's triangle? The Devil's Triangle. So for listeners that might be just joining us or, um, you know, really catching on, we have labeled um, Rick, Jenna, and Lila as the Devil's Triangle. And it's a little flashback to a-hole Brett Kavanaugh and talking about the Devil's Triangle and just defining it for something that it really wasn't it wasn't so we're using that on our own right here so rick and jenna um let lila in remember the last episode was a cliffhanger lila was banging on the door and in the preview you see someone walking up behind her so they have a real split decision and how long it's going to take to let her in um rick of course hesitates he dies so i think maybe um uh, i think maybe i owe rick an apology uh, Wait, what? <laughs> okay. Colin Woodle, I have said from the beginning, babe, you are doing an amazing job. But I've kind of shit on the character of Rick from the beginning because I was all team Jalila. Um, Jalila. And we still are, just for the record. Well, I think you and I are going to deviate here as well. But I'm, I'm, but did you, I tweeted, I was like, I'm actually for like, I mean, if that, what was that polygamous show with that man who had like four wives or something like that? Big Love, which was the most amazing show ever. No, Big Love is great, but like, no, the reality show. Oh, 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 um, oh, fuck. Whatever it's called. But like, I'm like, look, dude, like, this is an equal marriage here. Rick and all of them can live happily ever after. I will gladly go and help Rick out. Like, I will it's an inter, you know, sexual orientation. Like, you know, I will make it a, I will make Look, it a quad. Polyamory is on the rise right now. So millennials are destroying marriage. They're destroying American cheese. Like, so. <laughs> millennials, hashtag millennials are destroying cheese. They are, but um, I'm an elder. Would that be the episode description? Millennials yeah. destroy cheese. Yeah, for sure. 
but here's the thing. Um, like I said, I've been, I've been shitting on this character because I couldn't really see anything in, in him that as a person, I would be like, I'm rooting for you. But then I realized I'm not sure I'm supposed to root for Rick. The slow burn of his kind of simmering rage, but also his desperation to keep things going was so well done that it kind of caught me off guard in this episode where I was like, wait, I know this character now. Like his hesitation, his like inability to process what's happening with Jenna and Lila, I get it now. And here's what's even crazier. I'm no longer sure who to be worried about in that room with Jenna and Garbanzo baby, because do I think Rick is still a danger to Jenna? Yeah, but I'm not, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say, I think Lila might just be the same type of, of danger. And I have different reasons for both. So all I know is Jenna's in trouble. Jenna's definitely in trouble. I mean, first of all, we all saw Lila be able to take care of herself. I mean, she was in a gown. She stabbed that guy in the eye. So he's completely done. She gets in, in the room and like Jenna, you know, puts her to bed. The neighbor, Ross? Well, no, because that's two people, I think. So what I think happens is the person um, that gets her isn't the neighbor. The He gets in when they're close because they open the oh, security yeah, system yeah. and then he gets in that way. But Lila fingers the guy in the eye or whatever and she gets in. You know, they take care of her and we're kind of like, wait, what's going on? Where's this other person? And that's when we really see that, okay, you know, we get into this whole like millennial versus old person neighbor dichotomy where that neighbor is so mad that they cut down that oak tree. Oh my God. And that they're like parking in the wrong place. So like Ross, the neighbor breaks in and he's like, you've been parking in the wrong spot. And like, I have like visions of myself in West Hollywood getting yelled at over parking all the time. And like my neighbor would have a hundred percent purged me over parking. Like, so I was like, Ooh, Ross, like you need to, you need to calm your shit, dude. Calm your shit. And this is kind of like, why did he have that line in the first episode when he was like, you know, putting up his fence or whatever for his house when they were running back to their episode they saw him and he was like laughing kind of like oh he was really happy they were about to get what's coming to them and you know what we see is he know he breaks in and you know he's you know and rick who's looking real good in that fitted tee okay i'm thirsty enough i'm thirsty enough. i'm done i'm done um but i'm just saying like you know rick and like jenna are trying to like reason with this person who has got a gun you know rick says that she's pregnant and This reminds me of, like, barbecue Bettys, right? Like, that we've been seeing this trend of, like, women who, for petty reasons, have been calling the cops on on people of color, right? Um, It's very similar. It's, like, the banality of this, like, mind-blowing, like, idiot. Like, I see, I don't even have words for it. Like, dude, you don't kill someone over parking. Like, you just, like, you don't. But then again, like, he keeps stating, like, Ross keeps saying, like, it's my right. Like, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing anything wrong. And he's not wrong, right? He's not and, wrong. He's not doing anything illegal. And then Jenna's like, well, what about the moral question? Right. And then when Lila stabs this dude in the back to save Jenna, again, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that's foreshadowing. Like, oh, she stabs the sh- out of him right in the back but like lila's not doing anything wrong it this is the problem with the free-for-all like it's just no one's doing anything wrong it's just everyone's dying yeah and lila's protecting 
protecting Jenna. And I would argue like maybe both of them in some way, because the guy's clearly going to kill both of them. So she just takes it and she kills the man, stabs him from behind. You really are going in deep for, so what would we call Jenna, Rick, and Lila? Jen Rickla? (laughs) Jen Lick. (laughs) Jen Lick. Jen Lick. Yeah, because Jen, L-I- J E L I C K. Yeah, Jen Jalik. I'll, I'll alert TMZ. So can you alert TMZ? We have a triple power. We have a triple couple. See, and I'm gonna back off. Jalila. We have a thruple. A thruple. I'm gonna back off Jalila and actually only be on Team Jenna and the Garbanzo Bean. Uh, that, that's a good bean. I mean, so basically, Marcy, your tweet that you um, posted last night when you were spoiling the episode for me, I'm sitting there on my iPad going like, oh my God, what's going on? And I didn't really know because I I wasn't in the context. But um, Marcy, do you clean when something happens? Fuck yeah, I do. I am the queen of anxious cleaning. Do I have a chapter of a dissertation to turn in? Time to purge my closet. Like, do, <laughs> do I have like a report for work? You know, it might be time to color code my books. Like, this is, this is what I do. I felt Jenna in that moment. So when Lila stabs Ross the neighbor, it bleeds all over her carpet. And while like, Lila and Rick are kind of processing what happened. Jenna's already like deep cleaning with some fabuloso, this carpet. And I was like, I feel you, girl, because that would be me. Like, exactly. I, if I had been on the Titanic, I probably would have been dusting as we went down because that's the only thing that chills me the fuck out. Right? It does. I clean my entire apartment before I sit down and write. Well, that's because you always look for that. You In your head, you're like, well, I can't really do this until, you know, my uh, my recipe book has been transcribed into different postcards. Into like, Mandarin. It's just, it's just the stupidest things that you come up with, but it's a coconut. Shout out to Sean who leaves the house when I go into one of these moods. So. I know, I know. Like, or like Brent will come home and like I've moved all the furniture in our room, which like, look, I'm a little person, right? I'm like five, two and three quarters. The three quarters matters. We have a California king bed. We have like huge furniture in our room. I will just move everything. And I'm like, I needed new light before I could process my anxiety about writing. So um, yeah, no, I totally felt this. I will say I was thinking a lot about like, we had talked about a little bit like the trauma post purge day, but like what happens to all these houses where people have been murdered? Like I... I'm very, like, in my adult life, have always lived in, like, new apartment complexes, new houses, because I'm terrified of something being haunted. Is everything haunted in this, like, apocalyptic world? Like Marcy, break that down. So why are we there? So in my head, it's every single house, every single street, every single everything. Someone's probably died recently because you can right so like in my head it's like yo if i'm gonna go buy a new house do i ask the realtor like how many people were purged here before i so that is a law actually in california i think it's a law in a lot of states that actually you actually have to disclose if there's been a murder in the house or not and but then i'm like do, do these count as murder no i mean murder is legal so i mean it still would be classified as murder you just wouldn't right. be criminalized for it but jenna doesn't want to live there anymore after the murder happened and that's why yeah so you can't you can't clean off murder (laughs) you cannot clean off murder at all no 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 um 
so like the episode has this like moment at the end where they're kind of on the couch all processing what happened and like Lila grabs uh Jenna's hand and I was like and the, the look on Rick's face, I was like, bro, I feel you. Like, it must be really difficult to just sit there. <laughs> like, oh, God. Uh, I don't want to feel sympathy for Rick, but I do because I'm like, I think they're all, I think they're all in deep. And, like, the reason I'm starting to turn is Lila is who she is. Her parents are who they were. She, I just don't believe she escaped through some basement bullshit to run to the Stanton house. And, like, none of her story is lining up for me. Whereas... Rick's is. I do think he loves Jenna. I do think that he has an like uh some fragility and some rage issues, but like right now, oh god, I'm on team Rick and Jenna. Yeah, I mean and also, you know, Lila has a lot of great um, you know, f- short monologues and the episode by talking about how she got out. You know, she got out because right. her father saved her. You know, this you know, and I just want to give a shout out cuz it was great acting by uh, literally the the actress I think it was wonderful um and I just really see the two of them on opposite ends they're polar ends of this couch right but polar ends of the life that they want to give with the one person in the middle and that's someone that's asleep and you kind of see them both looking for each other to touch her hand and hold her hand um, because she's been traumatized. Jenna's been traumatized. And so, you know, the episode ends really with like, oh, you know, what's going to happen? Who knows? This snapshot of like domestic, like calmness of this like family on a couch is, is a powerful kind of image, right? So. It really is. And you know, that's the episode. So John, if you had to be stuck in a Stanton security house with two people that you might have to fight your way out from, from our favorite TV shows, who would it be? From like our favorite TV shows, not in the Purge universe? Not in the Purge universe. Like if you were stuck in a house and you were probably going to have to fight these people out, who would you want to be with? Like I'm going to have to fight them? Yeah. So here, I'll give you mine. If I was in a house, I would do Dorothy Spornak, obviously, and Hagrid. And then I would, <laughs> I actually wouldn't purge them. I would just hang out with them. <laughs> well, I'm definitely going to get out of this house alive. I'm having President Trump and yes. Brett Kavanaugh. You're so much better than I am. I didn't even think Because there's no way in like Sam Heck, like they would outsmart me to like get out of this house of hell. Okay. So then I'm going to, I'm going to change mine. We're going to do Lindsey Graham and Betsy Devos. And I'm 100% coming out of this alive. You are coming out of this alive. And just as a warning alert, this is a fictional world. This means no ill intent or violence whatsoever (laughs) to anyone else. In case you are listening, because my phone is probably being tapped by the federal government. (laughs) All right. Well, that is our kind of overview of episode seven. Um, with our Purge movies overview and some of our bonus episodes, this is our 10th episode of this podcast. So it is. I'm happy 10th anniversary. birthday. Anniversary. Um, we're so glad that you all have come along and you're, you've put up with our banter. We, we love doing this every week. Um, like John said, there's a lot to look forward to. Um, the Pop Culture Theologians per, uh, Purge podcast was our first, what we consider our first season. Our intention is not to cover 
just the purge. Um, we plan to focus on different shows in, in collective sets, right? So this is a set of what's going to be a breakdown of 10 episodes. We will then move on to a different show. We will also have one-offs, right? So a lot of exciting stuff coming. We're not going to announce what, but we can say we actually have chosen the show for season two and we are Ooh, so Oh, it's so good. So excited. A, a huge turn left or right, depending on where you stand. Um, but very, very, very excited. Um, we, can, can we start dropping, like, clues? I don't think you and I are very good at clues because we're not good with secrets. <laughs> Let's just say I'm really looking forward to, like, discovering where we're going to go. Oh, that's, that is a good clue. That is very good. Thanks, uh, you. <laughs> Or wait, I want to do it as my favorite, as Claire Foy. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> oh my gosh, I I can't even wait for the next season of The Crown. Don't I have watched that? Okay, we're so sorry, listeners. We're <laughs> we're going we're going down a dark Netflix hole now. <laughs> oh, but actually related to Netflix and our actual Purge podcast, um, The Haunting of Hill House on Netflix dropped on Friday. Um, it is a ten part horror anthology it's the first time netflix does something like this go watch it (laughs) john was screaming during it finished it within 24 hours which is super that's twisted because i like just looked up the synopsis that that shows uh here's the thing though if you've been following along with us um you might have developed some skills to to break down horror in ways that make it much more palpable right? So the Haunting of Hill House does something very similar to The Purge, which is this isn't a story about scares. This is a story about people and their trauma. And so I cannot talk about it enough. Maybe we'll do a one-off on it, um, but it is absolutely spectacular. Um, In regards to like pop culture in general, the Romanoffs dropped last week as well, um, which is uh Weiner's new show he did Mad Men um also there's this trend of these like anthologies right similar to this Purge one this is going to be a 10 episode anthology as well Haunted um The Haunting of Hill House's 10 episode anthologies The Sinner on USA um also shot out there on season two but they're also these capsule episodes so you kind of get to dive in for a, a solid 10 hours but then you get to dive out um so Tons of great stuff on TV right now. Tons of stuff coming from us in the future. Have a wonderful week, everyone. Have a wonderful week and happy purging. Happy purging. 